Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Might I recommend, now that your young person has walked across that stage, you get them over to Leon Tailoring, get them to their career services division. That's right. In this economy, even though jobs are plentiful, it won't help you if you don't look the part. So at Leon Tailoring Career Services Division, they got the perfect thing that your young man or young lady needs to get them off into the world of work and at very reasonable and affordable prices. And heck, who knows? You might even see something for yourself if you're looking for a new job. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, their career services division, Larry Norm, Kim, and Judy, always glad to help you out. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Oh, so what do you think? Well, so today we had an interesting dialogue go on in the Indiana General Assembly in the state in the Senate. Um, I think we took a step back in the state of Indiana today. That doesn't mean we can't take a step forward later on in the next couple of weeks. The troubling part of what happened today was I think that both sides lost a lot of momentum. That's because this issue is so tough to nail down what we're going to do. The pro-life movement can't claim victory. The pro pro-choice movement can't claim victory. But what was evident is that the vote today was not about Hoosiers. It was about power in this body called the General Assembly. How do you bring an issue back with 39 members and only get just enough votes to get it across and get it passed? Something is going awry in the process, and I'm sure that there had to be some kind of discussion in their caucus about how easy it was or how hard tough it was to get this passed. I thank all the Hoosiers who came down and spoke and took time from their work, physicians, non-physicians, people who uh, were sometimes treated like second-class citizens because they didn't get to testify. Boy, what a victory for them. Um, this was a battle that uh, nobody won. And that's clearly not what we're here for in the Indiana General Assembly. And this was about the power of the majority to force people to do something that they don't want to do. Would you? Do you think with the 26 votes, what does that tell you? It tells me that they, 26 votes is just, is just enough to get the bill passed. They have 39 members. And it's like I said, I wasn't here today. You know, I've learned in my, uh, in my time here in the General Assembly, they, they, this caucus, the Senate Republican caucus doesn't bring an issue to the floor unless they've got the votes for it. So when they came down, I knew they had enough votes. I didn't know how many, but I knew they had enough votes. So I didn't, I wasn't trying to stand up there and convince them. I wanted to talk to the people who took time out of their Saturday afternoon to come down here and tell them what the strategy is, because obviously, we can no longer operate under this majority rule kind of excess majority that we have because with that comes the ability to pass things like this that both sides don't agree on, pro-life and pro-choice. They didn't do anybody a favor today. Do you think the House is going to make this more restrictive? Absolutely. Do you think it can get through the Senate? I don't know. I mean, after what I saw today, we had... I, you can go to the Right to Life website. You can pull down the survey from 2020. 
there are members who clearly stated in their survey that they will only vote for an exception for the life of the mother. Those, mem th those people voted for that bill today. So what does that say to you? I don't know what's going to happen. I, I couldn't predict. I, could you predict that somebody who was so pro-life to say that I only, I only want to vote pro-life if, if it was for the life of the mother and then does something totally different? That's what happened today. Would now, you? we've seen that some senators say so they're only going to say yes to pass it along, but they also mentioned they may threaten to say no if it comes back the exact same bill. Where do we see this moving forward? If nothing at all changes from here, do you think that could even potentially be a reality next time? I think they hope it goes over there and doesn't get any changes at all because then, you know, it never has to come back over here again. Then it goes to Governor Holcomb because they don't make any changes. He could just concur and it goes to the governor's desk. I think there's going to be changes in the, in the House, but I think it's also important to understand that what those changes are, I don't think anybody knows. I don't think the House wanted to take up this issue right now. So they might do some things like, I don't know, vote the bill down. Then what do you do? Does the, does the Senate come up with a vehicle bill to move the language in? Does Senator Bray call a rules meeting to have a new bill started so, and then go out and whip one of his members to change their vote so it passes? I mean, we've seen that in the past before. That's we tie it all together. This is all about power. That's all it is. Right, what about the demeanor? Let me let me go back yeah. here. Yeah. So I would kind of want to ask you the same question that I asked Republican leadership. Um, would you have supported putting this on a ballot and letting the Hoosiers of decide, or like what? That was my amendment. That was my amendment, and it was not a binding. It was not a bound, binding ballot initiative. They don't want to hear from you. They don't want to hear from Hoosiers across the state of Indiana who know that bodily autonomy is just the first step and taking away some of our constitutional rights. Do you think that they're going to stop? If they get away with taking away a woman's bodily right and her autonomy, you think they're going to stop there? These are the same people, like I said at the podium, who have, who have pushed voting rights restrictions that limit the access to the ballot. They've pushed gun legislation to allow people to walk around without a permit to carry a firearm. They've pushed legislation that's anti-love. They, they want to restrict who people love. This sounds like a third world country under, coming to America and trying to take over. And it's, it's clear about who's doing it and why they're doing it. And to me, it's all about power. We got to seize on the opportunity that we have right now with these gerrymandered districts to seize the power from the people and make sure that they have no say in what we do. What do you say to voters, though, who are living in extremely, extremely gerrymandered districts who say, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if my vote's going to count anyway. <laughs> well, it, if you think the, oh, excuse me, the people who live in those districts are the only ones who are upset, they're getting emails from pro-life people who said they're upset. So who's to say they might not go vote for a Democrat? I'm telling you, this is a, you couldn't ask for, well, we could ask for a better outcome. We didn't want this bill to pass, but this outcome didn't help anybody. They don't have the lock on the pro-life movement, as you might think. They're getting hit from both sides of this issue, okay? 
and none of them can escape. You could, they could stand up there. Mike Young voted no on the bill today. And did you see what happened when he went outside? He voted no. I'm just telling you, there's nobody who's safe. Greg, what about the demeanor uh, in this chamber? Oh, uh, yeah. You guys, yeah. you guys took a lot of you know, really tough issues, whether it's you know, right to work, daylight savings time. Have you ever seen it quite like this? No. And this issue is one of those, uh, Abdul, where I think that those – when you're used to being able to walk on people and you're used to be able to tell people what they can and cannot do, it's tough when people find a way to make you listen to the words that they have to say. And I think that we saw that for some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. You know, some of the senators, I mean, my goodness, to make Eddie Melton get up and get upset, it's probably the hard, I mean, it's nomenclature for me to get up and get upset. But for <laughs> Really? Yeah. But, but uh, it goes to show, though, that, you know, getting Eddie Melton upset to where he gets up and comes close to a decorum, that, that tells you this was a very contentious issue. And I think that... Uh, the people of the state of Indiana are upset too. I, I can't. T- why are we doing this? What do, what what does taking away a woman's cho- giving more time to a woman to make a choice to keep a baby? How does that hurt anybody? You take away. You you force a young woman into a position where she has two weeks to decide rather than ten. What do you think the net result of that is going to be? It's going to be to more abortions. If you give her 10 weeks, she can make arrangements if she wants to have the child to go with a family member. They can go to adoption proceedings. She can talk about any kind of a myriad of things. But when you limit their time, you force them. You force them into having an abortion. Senator Taylor, what do you say to some of the GOP members who said they don't like this bill, they think it goes too far, but they think that the conversation needs to continue? I hear that. Actually, I I think I'm going to play the recording and see how many sessions I hear that every year. Uh, No, this was not one of those situations. We're not talking about having a conversation about how much money to spend in the budget. We're talking about having a conversation about somebody else's decision about their own health care. Or let me say specifically women and their decision on health care. No, there's no conversation. There's no I think the the 70 plus testimonials that we had from people on this issue spoke loud and clear. Hoosiers don't want this. The powers that be. Remember, that word power keeps coming up. They decided it was different. They believe. They know better than the Hoosiers, and it's time for Hoosiers to tell them we know better than you. So go to the polls in 90 days and vote some of these guys out so we can at least have an opportunity to come down here and stop some of this bad legislation. How do you make sure voters keep this issue top of mind going into November? We keep talking about it because at the end of the day, if you believe, even if this bill somehow does not pass in the House, do you think after November it's not going to come up, come up in January? This vote was very important because now you got them on record on how they feel. They might say, hey, we just voted for that because we wanted to keep the conversation going. But you voted for it, right? Yes. Pro-lifers, well, you voted for it and you had exceptions. Did you tell us 
Yes, but I wanted to keep it going. Pro-choicers, oh, you didn't, we knew, I knew you wouldn't vote for me anyway, but I voted for it, and it only has these narrow exceptions for 16-year-olds for under 16, 12 weeks. And you can't, you, they can't thread that needle. So I think that we just keep the conversation going. I think we know that was going to come back in January, regardless of what happens this summer. And if voters stay, keep their eye on the prize, we can make some changes to at least keep them. I'm not saying that we can be in the majority. I, you know, I, that's not going to happen. We don't have enough members to, to get over that. But if you, we can keep them from coming to the floor on these, my decision, my very bad issues. That's important. And so we need to do that. You said that you know Hoosiers don't want this. If Hoosiers don't want this, what is motivating you know Republicans to to pass this legislation? Power. Listen, Senator Bray, give give him credit because he he knows the system. Um, you saw this play out in the permitless carry situation. It was power that got Sue Glick to change her vote on rules committee to come back and keep keep that bill going. For those of you who were here, she voted no. He stopped the roll call, took her out, changed her mind. You find it, I find it ironic that she's the very same person, person who's carrying this legislation. No child, past the, the time that she can have any children, and she's carrying this legislation as a woman for somebody who took her out in the hallway and said, your vote is wrong, and if you vote this way, there's going to be ramifications, and she came back in and changed her vote. That's power. That's power. He, he took the, the bill away from the proper committee, which would have been health committee, and sent it to his committee. That's power. That's all this is about. We don't care what Hoosiers think. We have the power with 39 members to do whatever we want to do, and by God, we're going to do it. And I know the questions today are about what happens in the state of Indiana, and it hasn't been brought up just yet, but there is talk about not wanting to charge women if they get abortions in Indiana. Well, other states are trying to make it where you can't go to their states or others. Has that conversation come up about what if an Indiana woman goes outside the state to get an abortion? That has not come up in the conversation. It might come up in the House of Representatives. I think that there's some issues that we didn't uh, actually tackle over here that they could bring up over there. Um, but none of that has come up here in the Senate. Um, it probably, in my opinion, won't because I think for those who do vote for this, who really don't want to, they want to leave that option open for women. They just won't say it on the floor. Thanks very much, Senator. Thank you. Y'all have a good short weekend. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.